When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Welcome back to MLB Daily Podcast, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. This is a Belly Up Sports Podcast, and I am L. J. LaFura. And alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? LJ, I'm good. Uh, I really appreciate the very dramatic uh, reading of your own name, but... Uh, yeah, you know, you got to love it, uh, having some fun here uh, on this now Saturday, May 1st. But uh, LJ, this is quite a special episode for us. Not only are we now a full month into the season, but uh, we have an interview at the end of this episode. Yeah, we, have, we had quite the full day today. We are officially um, experienced draft, uh, commenta- draft experts. We are the talking heads of Belly Up Sports now. Um, so we can claim that, but we also have a little chat. We went about a half hour with the guys from the bat flip podcast, another podcast on the belly up sports network. 
which they 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 were a lot of fun to talk to. It's it's amazing too because I mean we've been talking with guys like Tom Matheny and Roy and Donovan from Padres on the farm or Friars on the you know, with the amount I talk to them, I should be able to get it right. Friars on the farm. Friars on the farm. We've done so much team-centric stuff that this is the first time I can remember where we talked to a all-encompassing podcast or writer or somebody who covers the entire league. So it was very interesting, very different. And if Brandon can't tell, if you guys can't tell, I absolutely love doing interviews. Yeah, uh, it was a fun interview. Uh, Like you said, not only did we get to talk about specific teams, but those guys gave really good input on some league-wide issues heading into next season, uh, some of the rule changes that have been made in the minors and, of course, the the major leagues. So we had fun just talking about a general baseball topics with them. Uh, but, yeah, that was an awesome interview. Uh, make sure that you guys stick around after the recaps to talk – uh, to, to hear it. But uh, LJ, we had a full slate of games today, 15 games, all 30 teams in action. Shall we get going here? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get to the big story of the day, the Mets and the Phillies. Scoring began in favor of the Phillies when in the second inning, James McCann allowed a passed ball that allowed Brad Miller and Andrew Knapp to score. Then in the sixth, Dom Smith drove in Pete Alonso to make it two to one Phils. Tempers flared in the eighth after Jose Alvarado struck out Dom Smith. Flashy celebration by Alvarado soon turned into screaming, then pointing, and then nearly fisticuffs as the bench is cleared. After Alvarado pulled his stunt, Rice Hoskins was had balls thrown toward him, which he responded with a bat flip walk and more bench clearance, which could have but did not lead to any fisticuffs. The Philadelphia Phillies win two to one. Give the win to Chase Anderson. He went five innings, allowing one earned run and six strikeouts. The loss will be given to Marcus Stroman. He went five innings of shutout, I'm sorry, not shutout ball, but no earned runs. He had two earned or unearned on the past ball and eight strikeouts. Give the save to Sam Coonrod, his first of the year. In a post-game interview, Dom Smith was quoted as saying, meet me in the tunnel to Jose Alvarado. Brandon, this is really starting to heat up between two division rivals. I'm ready to see it. I'd, I'd buy it on pay-per-view. I would. Dom Smith, Jose Alvarado, I'd be all in. I want to see some fisticuffs here. Yeah, uh, crazy that the bench is clear twice in one inning with, with both teams pitching. Uh, we also saw... The, the Phillies a couple nights ago when they got uh, an, a, a warning issued to them when they didn't hit anyone uh, and then Joe Girardi got tossed. So the, the Phillies have been in their fair share of controversies this year so far. But uh, yeah, you know, as, as a baseball fan, I love the intensity. I love that these guys were, were getting into it. Jose Alvarado, his uh, celebration after the strikeout was probably a a, a, a bit excessive, but uh, it was just pure emotion, I think. That's just so much adrenaline running there. You know, you get the big out in the top of the eighth inning that, uh, you know, it just – you're pumped up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just – there's so much going on. And, of course, there was quite a few um, instances where time was called. So it was just a – it was a really competitive, and they were doing everything to get to each other throughout that entire at bat. So either one of them coming out on top was a huge deal for them. 
Brandon, as you mentioned, them having the issues with the umpires so much this week. When was the last time you can think of where we had kind of like a bad boy team in baseball? Could we see the bad boy Phillies here? They're not, they're not cheating, but they're a little, just a little bit dirty, dirty enough just for some to hate them, but others to buy in. It's interesting because I guess you could say the, the Houston Astros in a way. Because, but the thing with them is that because we have the COVID, everything that happens with with COVID nineteen in the twenty twenty season, we never really got a chance to see them get the full fledged hate from all the fans. Because of course, there's no fans at the games last year. The MLB comes out with the Astros punishment right prior to the twenty twenty season. So, yeah, I mean, I would say the Astros, but I can't really think of another team where because because baseball is a sport where it's just kind of like. There isn't a team that's constantly like that. Yeah, well, like, I just can't, I can't count the Astros either because, like, I guess the intent I'm going for here is I want a team that's not necessarily cheating, but, like, is just that gritty, gritty, going to play a little rough. They're going to do what it takes to win team. I mean, the bad boy Detroit Pistons did not use, like, steroid they weren't like doing things that were like clearly outside the confines of the game were they a little too physical at times yeah but that's what made you what that's what made their legacy so like i guess my thing is like you need to find things that are within the norms of breaking rules but without like being too far too goody two shoes you know i don't i just don't think i don't think i can remember a time i've seen that Let's move on to the Yankees and the Tigers. Uh, The Yankees offense exploded tonight, hitting five home runs and scoring 10 on the night. Gio Rochella would single to make it 1-0, and then clean to Clint Frazier goes yard. Following this, there was a home run barrage by the Yankees. Here comes the judge. Aaron Judge goes deep. Aaron Hicks goes deep, finally starting to break out of this slump, I hope. That would make it 4-0 Yankees after the third inning. In the fourth, here comes the judge. Aaron Judge, grand slam home run, his second of the night. This would bust the game wide open. LJ, something smells in here. Rube Neto, door gets in on the action with a home run of his own. The Yankees cruise to a 10-0 win. Uh, Garrett Cole looked everything like a Cy Young Award winner tonight, continuing his his dominant season. I should say everything like a potential Cy Young Award winner tonight, as he, of course, uh, does not have one. Cole gets the win, now 4-1 and one on the year. Uh, six innings, four hits, no earned in 12 Ks. He was dealing. The loss to Tariq Skubal, who only goes three innings, allowing five hits and four runs. The Yankees are the first team in history to win a shutout by 10 or more runs, strike out 18 batters, and allow less than five hits. Uh, very oh impressive God. tonight on, on both sides of the ball, even though the Yankees did play the lowly Tigers, who are now 8-19 and 19 after this game. But I can't be mad. You know, a nice win like this uh, counts the exact same as any other win. So I'm very happy. Yeah. A couple, actually, yeah, just one thing here. Honestly, can we, just pitching an idea for an episode, can we do a day where we find just these obscure records 
that each game broke. Like this isn't that bad. No, no, it's not that bad. But what if it was like Yankees are the first team in history to win a shutout by ten or more more runs, strike out eighteen plus batters, and allow less than five hits on a Thursday when Roofnet or Door ate fish for lunch. I like it. Let's. Uh, that's got to be a day. ESPN version. It's 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 essentially what they do on ESPN on Sports Center when they need to find some NBA record that LeBron broke the previous night. I'm sure him coming back and playing tonight in his first game back somehow broke a record. They they will find one. I like. I don't want to disrespect him from a play standpoint because he's absolutely fantastic. But why is it such a big deal? Like they're acting like he's like coming out of retirement from missing two game, 20 games. Like, granted, this is the longest stretch of injury he's had in his career, but it wasn't that long. Like no. there was also no doubt that the Lakers were going to make, were going to make the postseason. There's still no doubt to my mind that they're the best team in the West. And I'd still take them for the championship. So like, what's the point of all the fanfare? Yeah, I don't let's know. get into the other L.A. team, the L.A. Dodgers against the Milwaukee Brewers. Jackie Bradley Jr. went yard in the second to the tune of two runs. A.J. Pollock hit a home run, but that's all the Dodgers could get. They lose three to one. Give the win to Freddie Peralta, who went six innings of one earned run ball and seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to the opener today for the Dodgers, Edwin Uceta. He went to two innings, allowing two earned runs. And give that save to Josh Hader, his seventh on the year, and he struck out the side. Very good day for him. Has always been, I want to say since 2017, 2018. Like, clearly, if you need a guy to go to get three outs from, Josh Hader is a lock most of the time. I mean, just such nasty stuff. He comes with that weird arm angle. He's got that fastball slider, changeup, uh, really, really nasty pitcher. And what's great to see with him now is you're seeing the stamina has been built up. Mm. I mean, that was the big knock on him. Of course, he had his great, great opening year where he was striking out everybody. But then that second year, they're like, okay, this guy needs to be the closer. He's, he's clearly more talented than Corey Knievel, not a, not a knock on him. He was absolutely fantastic too, but let's make this guy the closer. And they, they explained it very honestly, very well. Everyone could see it. Josh Hader could not pitch back-to-back days. No. If asked to, he was not nearly in a fit enough to pitch multiple days in a row, too much at a time. And you can't have a closer that you can't put out there consistently. So that wasn't an option for him early in his career, but he has props to him for making the changes necessary to come in and be a force in this league, be one of the best closers in the game. LJ, I'm not sure if you mentioned, but today's matchup between the Dodgers and and Brewers is going to be a Dustin May versus Brandon Woodruff. The reason I bring it up, I mean, that's going to be an awesome pitching matchup. Yeah, Will, absolutely. I did not get a chance to mention that, but I'm very excited for this. I want to see this is a tough game. They've now they're losing to these Brewers. Can these Dodgers pull it out, show that they can win in big, important games with actual, like, tough, tough competition. Dustin May starting on the 1st of May. Uh, should be interesting. But on to the Angels and the Mariners. 
The Angels would be up two to one after the first inning, thanks to an Anthony Rendon double. Hey, hey, hey Tony! <laughs> uh, in the bottom of the first, Mitch Haniger with his sixth home run of the year, but Seattle would trail two to one. In the second, Seattle ties it up on a Dylan Moore home run, but then Shohei Otani, eighth home run of the year, the top of the third, and the Angels take a three to two lead. But a common theme in this game, Seattle tying the game, top of the third, or excuse me, bottom of the third. It's a Dylan Moore who gets an RBI single, Tom Murphy, then homers in the bottom of the fourth, and Seattle would have a four to three lead. Seattle adds on a few runs in the eighth, thanks to uh, two doubles from J.P. Crawford and Tom Murphy, and they win this one by a score of seven to four. Give the win to Drew Steckenrider out of the Seattle bullpen, who goes two innings, two a perfect innings, actually, striking out three batters. Uh, Chris Flexen, who got the start for Seattle, four innings, four hits, three earned, and no strikeouts for him. The loss goes to Andrew Haney, who I will be dropping from my fantasy team tomorrow. Uh, now one and two on the year, three and a third, six hits, four earned runs, five Ks. He allows three home runs. Season ERA is now at 5.25. Uh, easiest drop I could make. Uh, I really had confidence in that guy coming into the year, but I guess I just really shouldn't be uh, betting too much on LA Angels starting pitchers. Hey, I mean, let, let, let's look at this. I mean, I was honestly shocked when you started saying the innings because, like, there was so much scoring early on to have it all die out especially after the starters went out of the game. Really good job by these bullpens to kind of keep things bottled up. But, I mean, those first couple of innings, so much, so much run scoring. My mother was dizzy from all the running and running around. You can't do that to mama. Today's matchup will be a Griffin Canning going for the Angels, and he will take on L.J. Newsom of the Seattle Mariners, uh, certainly one of LJ and I's favorite players. Uh, he'll, he will make the transition from sort of swing man to the rotation, and he'll be making his first start of the year. Uh, LJ, pretty anticlimactic here. He will be taking the start of Nikki M, who uh, was diagnosed with left shoulder inflammation. So LJ Newsom gets the start so far in the year, 11 strikeouts and a 1.7 ERA. Uh, yeah, so far, we're at a, a net zero for good news here in this pitching matchup sprint. <laughs> and we're losing our boy, Nikki M. Yeah. But you got to love LJ, don't you? LJ. All righty then. All righty then. The Cardinals and the Pirates. The Cardinals had consistent offense all throughout the game. Highlights included two RBI doubles by Nolan Arenado, a Tyler O'Neill home run, and Brandon Matt Carpenter sawing off his second home run in two days. The Cards win seven to three. Give the win to John Gant. He went five innings, allowing one earned run and walking five batters. The loss will be given to JT Brubaker, who went five innings, allowing three earned runs and striking out seven. These two teams should be playing today. They will have Jack Flaherty up against Trevor Cahill. But real quick, I mean, you look at it here, just on those lines, what I presented here, five innings, one earned, five walks, and five innings and seven, or five innings and five walks, five innings and seven Ks. You'd think it was the other way around, which just goes to show how 
important both important clutch pitching can be and how how random the game can be sometimes it's just where the ball goes where the ball lies yeah you know you can get a solid six innings out of your starter and then just ask the the philadelphia phillies in 2020 you know you can get as 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 many good starts out of your areolas out of your whoever but if if your bullpen can't come in and get 12 outs get nine outs uh it's, it could be a very long season and uh yeah, you got to love the the Cardinals. Uh, their offense has been really good to start the year, just just like we expected. Guys like, uh, of course, and Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and then our guy Tommy Edmond, who we haven't talked about in a while, but he is off to a hot start in his career. I like Tyler O'Neill, and then your guy Matt Carpenter. Two sawed-off home runs in two days, very impressive by him. Carpenter, you know him. He loves to saw. Um, yeah, this has just been really, really great. I mean, yeah, you're just not, you're not going to see that very often. Uh, seven strikeouts, no walks and the loss is just not the approach. You're taking the right approach and getting the wrong result. Astros and Rays. Houston's offense would come through big all night. They got RBIs from five of their nine starters. Oledmi's Diaz would have an RBI ground out, RBI single, and RBI double in this one. He drove in four in a 9-2 Astros win. The win goes to Astros starter Lance McCullers, who looked very good all night. He picks up his second win of the year. It's now 2-1. Seven innings, three hits, no runs, and nine Ks for Lance McCullers. The loss to Ryan Yarborough, who's now 1-3. LJ, a raised pitcher, threw six innings. And over 100 pitches tonight. Uh, I would have to assume it's because he allowed nine hits, five runs. But still, six innings for a raised starter is kind of unheard of. If it's not Tyler Glass now. Yeah, it's fantastic. 4-10 Eastern today. These two teams play. Jose Urquidy versus Josh Fleming. Houston enters having won seven of their last ten. Next up, we got the Marlins and the Nationals. The Marlins and Nationals were scoreless until the 10th, where the Marlins drove in a run. This was followed by Washington when Kyle Schwarber hits a two-run homer. They Schwinn two to one. Give the win to Brad Hand and the loss to Yimmy Garcia. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Uh, one quick thing here, John, John Lester made his a debut in this game. Uh, and like you said, it was, it was a scoreless until extra innings. He pitched very well and pretty crazy that 
Kyle Schwarber hits a walk-off to win John Lester his first game as a national. So uh, pretty cool there. On to the all John, all John be doing is schwinning. <laughs> the uh, Zach Davies or the Cubs? This is not the Cubs, is it? It is the Nationals. This is the Nationals. I'm getting all screwed up with these Schwarber, Schwarber Schwinnin, John Lester Schwinnin, that I'm just looking at the wrong stuff here. Uh, Paul Campbell for the Marlins will take on Patrick Corbin of the Nationals, who really could use it a turnaround game here. Yeah, he's been struggling so far. Braves and Blue Jays. The first six scoring events of this game were home runs. The first five being all by Blue Jays. Bo Bichette, Alejandro, Alejandro Kirk twice, Randall Gritchick, and Teoscar Hernandez all go deep for Toronto. It would be 10-0 after six innings. The Braves would get some runs back on an Ozzie Albies homer, Freddie Freeman single, and Marcelo Zuna single. But then Lourdes Gurriel Jr. gets in on the party in the eighth. That extends the Jays' lead to 13-5, to and that's your final score. The win to Robbie Ray, who's now 1-1 one one on the year. First win as a Blue Jay for him. Six and two-thirds, five hits, two runs, and five Ks. I meant first win on the season for him. That's my bad. The loss to Drew Smiley, who got roughed around in this one. Now 0-2 on the year. He goes four innings, seven hits, five earned, and he walked four. Tonight's game will be Charlie Morton going for Atlanta. They'll face Travis Bergen. Uh, Toronto's going to be going with a full a bullpen game tonight. So just expect, I don't know, six or seven pitchers to get some action. All right, next up, we've got the Giants and the Padres. Scoring started in the top of the first when Buster Posey started doing Buster Posey-like things, homering 384 feet to right field. Then in the bottom of the inning, San Diego began their comeback. Eric Hosmer reached on an infield single, driving in the first run, and then in the bottom of the sixth, Jerickson Profar's RBI single gave San Diego the lead, as that was worth two. They go up 3-1. Evan Longoria's RBI in the top of the eighth made things a little more interesting for closer Mark Melanson, but the San Diego Padres ultimately pull it out three to two give the win to you darvish who went six and a third of an inning allowing one earned run 12 strikeouts and three walks the loss to logan webb who went six innings allowing three earned runs and the save will be given to mark melanson his ninth on the year these two teams will play today with anthony disclafani taking on blake snell in san diego royals and twins the Twins would take a 4-0 lead on an Alex Kirilov home run. Uh, that would be his first career home run as he had, he actually debuted in the 2020 playoffs. So, uh, yeah, his first career home run, Twins up 4 nothing. Carlos Santana would tie it with a home run of his own in the fourth, but then Kirilov goes deep again to extend the lead 5-1. The Twins win this one handily 9-1. The win to Michael Pineda, the twin starter, who's now 2-1 and one on the year. Five innings of one-run ball, five Ks, only allowed three hits. Uh, Brady Singer takes the loss in this one. He exits uh, in er, – excuse me. He, he exits early on uh, due to one of the craziest plays that we've seen in, in recent history. So he takes a very hard ground ball off – 
of his left heel and it kicks up into the air all the way back towards the first baseline, then picked up by the first baseman who throws it to second base to get the out there. The second baseman realizes that the runner from third is now running home, throws it home, they tag the runner out, and on a comebacker that ends up taking Brady Singer out of the game, the Royals turn two. Uh, LJ and I watched the clip of that right prior to recording today. Uh, LJ, what do you think about that? Brandon, my ankle still hurts from watching that. Like, I did not realize, like, I didn't realize something could actually, a ball could bounce that high. It basically was a pop-up on its own off of his ankle. <laughs> like, that. that's not normal. That sh- things should, a ball should not be hit. Oh, a ball should be hit that hard. But I've never seen a ball be hit that hard at somebody to do something like that. That was crazy. Uh, it will be a Danny Duffy going for Kansas City today. He looks to stay hot. He leads the league in ERA with .39. He'll face Matt Shoemaker of the Twins. All right, next up, we got the Cubs and the Reds. Despite their six-run performance, the big red contraption gained the lead in the middle innings and did not look back. They win 8-6. to six. Give the win to Wade Miley. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs. The loss will be attributed to Jake Arrieta. He went three in the third of an inning, allowing seven earned runs. And give that save to TJ Antone, his first on the year. Indians and White Sox. Chicago would take a 1-0 lead in the second on a Luis Robert double. The Indians would respond with four runs in the third, thanks to singles from Jose Ramirez and Eddie Rosario. The White Sox would pull within one run in the bottom of the third. They got singles from Tim Anderson and Juan Mercada, but Jose Ramirez would go yard later in the game. That made it 5-3 Indians, and that would be your final score. The win to Shane Bieber. I'm going to talk about him later in the PPP, but he's now 3-2 and two on the year. Six innings, seven hits, three runs, and 11 Ks. The loss goes to Dallas Keuchel. Uh, who's now one and one on the year. He had a pretty interesting line, six innings, four hits, four runs, four walks, four strikeouts, lots of fours. Uh, The save to Emmanuel Classe, his fifth on the year. He's now pitched 11 and a third scoreless innings as the Cleveland closer. These two will meet today with Tristan McKenzie going for Cleveland and he'll take on Lance Lynn of the White Sox. Yeah, it's really fantastic to see Indians with all they've lost, with all they've given up over the past year or two. It's so encouraging to see them have two relievers that are so young and so good in Class A and Karen Jack right now. Let's get on to the Red Sox and the Rangers. Brandon, the Red Sox bounced back from some quiet nights thanks to the bat of J.D. D. Martinez. That's right. We're bringing out the double D's because it's Julio double dingers Martinez. Two home runs in the game. Xander Bogarts and Rafi Devers also added home runs to help them win six to one. Give the win to Nathan Eovaldi. He went six innings, allowing one earned run and five strikeouts. The loss will be given to Kohei Arihara. He went two and two thirds of an inning, allowing six earned runs. 
Today's matchup will be Eddie Aces against Jordan Lyles for Texas. J.D.D. Martinez, Brandon, what are you thinking? He's he's absolutely raking. Uh, I'm gonna for sure have to to bring him up during the the leaderboard segment, but as of right now, there's no one else in the American League who's coming close to him at the current moment uh, for Silver Slugger or DH. I mean, it's not even close. And you would also have to put him in the MVP conversation, which we're going to talk about a little bit with another guy who I think needs to be brought up in that. But uh, yeah, J.D. Martinez, you know, we we pretty much called it. We said that there's no way he's going to have as bad of a season two years in a row. He's just too good of a hitter. He can hit curveballs. I mean, he can hit inside pitches, outside pitches. He's just such a well-rounded hitter that 2020 was such an anomaly for him. Yeah, I think the thing that, makes everything work so well is how studious he is about the game because he had a bad year he was going to bounce back from that normally then you have the large amount of people that completely gave up on him last year there was a lot of people who listened to baseball listen and watch baseball talk about baseball that completely gave up on him said oh that season was terrible he's done they quit on him. He didn't quit on himself. He came, he's come out with more of a vengeance than most other guys that had down years in 2020 to prove himself in 2021. It's been great to see. Yeah. Heading into today, he had as many home runs in the 2021 season as he did in 2020, of course, goes deep twice tonight. So he is well surpassed that number onto the Orioles and the A's. A home run from Sean Murphy gave Oakland a 1-0 lead in the second. In the third, the Orioles would hit two home runs, those coming from Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes, and that would uh, give them the lead. Up 3-1 to one in the bottom of the seventh, Mitch, once a gold glover, always a gold glover. Yes, sir. Mullins would homer to pull Oakland within one, but the Orioles, a bullpen, would hold off the comeback, and they get a 3-2 to two win. Give the win to John Means, now 3-0 on the year. Seven innings, three hits, two runs, and nine Ks. The loss to Mike Fires making his season debut. Six innings, six hits, and three runs. Cesar Valdez gets his sixth save on the year for Baltimore. And it will be Matt Harvey going for the Orioles today, taking on Jesus Lazardo. All right, last game of the night. Rockies and the Diamondbacks. The D-backs won this one today thanks to a five-hit, four-run third inning. Tapia and Crone did all add offense for Colorado, but the Rockies lost 7-2. to two. Give the win to Mad Bum. He went five innings, allowing one earned and six strikeouts. Brandon, that loss will go to John Gray. He went six innings, allowing four earned runs and three Ks for that 6-4-3 double play line. Love the it. Austin Gomer will take on Zach Gallen in today's Rockies-D-backs matchup. All right, let's move on to the PPP. Particular players people should care about. Uh, I'm going to go first. Uh, Aaron Judge. Look, two home runs, five RBIs tonight. Improves his slash line to 282, 385, 568. Uh, That puts him at a 953 OPS. Uh, Quite simply, he needs to be in the AL MVP race. uh, Like... there is he hasn't done anything to show that he's not 
a candidate right now. I mean, those those, those numbers that he has now, uh, seven home runs on the year, uh, which is pretty much where the, the league leaders were just two days ago. Uh, yeah, and he's also missed a few games here and there. Actually has stayed pretty healthy this year. The Yankees have been doing quite a bit of load management with him. They uh, took him out of the game tonight in the sixth inning just to, to uh, give him rest. But he had played, like, I believe 17 days in a row prior to uh, two days ago. So uh, has done a good job staying healthy. And, uh, yeah, certainly making his MVP case. Uh, and tonight was a, a, a big uh, output from him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you really – to go into more detail about how he's done it, I mean, he has dominated just about every stat you could have. I mean, you've got those very clear stats here. The 953 OPS is absolutely nothing to scoff at. Then you look at what he's doing out there. His exit velocity, he's, he's ripping the cover off the ball every time he gets it. He's hitting it hard a lot, and every single thing – all of his expected stats are lining up with exactly how good he's doing right now. But looking at this, Brandon, one thing is kind of jumping out to me that I didn't notice before. Maybe you can shed some light on this. His defensive metrics have not looked good this year. Is this just a matter of him saving himself from getting hurt? Or is this something that's been normally happening? Like, is he normally a sub sub par defender? No, uh, not at all. Actually, so on the StatCast page, I just found this out the other day. So, LJ, you see where it says 2021 MLB percentile rankings? Oh, I see now. Yeah, you can go to different years. 2021, you can go back year by year. So if you look at his 2017 season, which is his his rookie year, top 4% and outs above average. So very, very good on defense. 2018, that came back a little to 61st percentile. 2019, he jumped back up into the 90th percentile. So he's certainly been an excellent uh, defender out there in right field. This year, though, there's been a couple plays that it was just like, I don't know. It was just kind of not a full effort on the ball, balls that he should have been diving for that he wasn't, uh, balls that he that he he dove for that he probably shouldn't have dove for. Uh, I think he's just trying to really – not get injured I mean and that's scary to think that he has to play like a certain way but as long as he's healthy I mean we can take him him not a being so so great in the field if we can get uh a a great hitting output from him in return yeah and it's just you, you know you gotta the, the Yankees have to make sure that this is their number one priority in terms of what they monitor because if they don't this could really end up nipping them in the butt if they don't monitor this and it goes from he's trying to prevent himself from getting injured to he's playing poorly because he's injured. And that like we've seen multiple games where he's either DH or sat out because he's been sore from Lord knows what at this point. They're just calling it lower body soreness. Lower, Lower body soreness. I mean, that seems like a sexual innuendo to me, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, Anyway, yeah. Oh, I'm not going to get that out of my head now. Oh, my gosh. Um, Anyway, yeah. So, like, they've been monitoring it, but if they start having him going out there with that because they're not paying close enough attention or they're thinking it's worth it during the playoff push, that's the exact opposite thing you want to be doing with this guy. You want him 110% at the plate, and you want him 110% in the postseason. 
even if it is a wild card game. Uh, totally agree with that. Uh, on to my next guy, John Means. Uh, has now made six starts on the year, 37 innings, 38 Ks, a 1.7 ERA, and a 0.84 whip. LJ, you got the pleasure of watching him pitch against the Red Sox on opening day where he was very good. And uh, me and you are both going to have the pleasure of, of watching him over the next few years with the Orioles, but he's turning into a fine young pitcher. Absolutely. I mean, this is a great start of the season, and I really want to see for Baltimore's sake and for sake of having some fun in the division. I mean, I know I should be saying everything about what I'm saying here. I should be saying I want the Orioles to suck. I want the Rays to suck. I want the Blue Jays to suck, the Yankees to suck in theory. However, that doesn't make very, very high quality entertainment for me as a Red Sox fan, does it? No, no I want to see interesting players have them go up against them regularly throughout the season. So if John Means can be one of these key pieces for the end of the year, or not the end of the year, uh, the end of this rebuild, then I think that's absolutely fantastic. A fantastic start for Baltimore. Uh, LJ, I'm not sure if you put this in here or if I put this in here on accident, but where it says needs to be an AL Cy Young uh, discussion. Was that you or me? I put that in there just to tease you about you put it, you self-nominating Aaron Judge for the MVP conversation. I had to put that in the video. Sarcastic. Sarcastic. All right. I got one last one, and then LJ has a few. Uh, Shane Bieber uh, now has 68 strikeouts through his first six appearances on the year. That's the second most by a pitcher uh, in their first six games uh, of a season. Nolan Ryan in 1978 had 71. Uh, LJ, what I know is that between Shane Bieber and Jacob DeGrom, we are going to have a fascinating race to see who is the strikeout king uh, in 2021. Because those guys, I mean, you could even throw throw Garrett Cole in the mix, Tyler Glass now in the mix, Trevor Bauer even in the mix. There's a lot of guys there who are striking out uh, a tons of hitters to start the year. Uh, basically at rates that we haven't seen this many pitchers be able to do. No, this is really exciting. And, the truth of it is, I mean, fr- frankly, so what we're saying here is there is room for some a slightly more interesting record at set in second. Perhaps Jacob deGrom can get it. I'm rooting for 10, 10 strikeouts for Jacob deGrom. He's at 59 right now. So if he had 10 strikeouts the next game, that would be a very nice number for him to end up at. It would be very nice. And we are actually approaching episode uh, 69. That will be in- nice about a week or so so uh actually i think less than a week now so very nice lj you have a couple that you want to uh talk about uh yeah first one jdd martinez the double d's are here the double dongs the double dingers julio dinger dinger martinez playing out of his mind you will absolutely love to see it if you're a red sox fan and i would love to see him in boston for a little while longer my next one, potentially Dana White. I mean, if he can sign this, let me let me pitch this to you, Brandon. UFC 261, Alvarado versus Smith. Get Jose Alvarado and Dom Smith in the octagon. Duke it out. Who needs a tunnel when you have an octagon? I mean, that's just the way you want it. I mean, I'm a I'm a boxing guy. I'm not nearly 
as big a fan of the MMA, don't really watch it that much, but I will get on every single televised boxing event I can. I would watch it, even oh. if it was pay-per-view. If it was Jose Alvarado and Dob Smith going the distance, that would be absolutely amazing. You know, and, they actually match up pretty well. So, Alvar- yeah, what, what, are the weight, what, what are the weights? So Alvarado is 6'2", 245, and because he's a left-handed pitcher, I'd have to assume he's a southpaw, right? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Like that's what we're going to assume. And then Dom Smith uh, is six foot 239. So only only 239 weight difference. And they're both uh, lefties. So very interesting matchup between the two Southpaws. Actually, I think we should make the title of this episode exactly that. UFC 261, Jose Alvarado versus Dom Smith. That's in consideration for me right now. I've got another nomination for you. The episode where everything becomes one big sexual innuendo because our last member of the PPP, the company Hymns, for their brand new slogan, which we've come up with today, Hymns. For all your lower body soreness needs. I mean, it just rolls off the tongue. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, I did oh, not. No. Oh, we're going to pretend I didn't say that. We're not saying <laughs> that kind of thing. We're going to all pretend I did not say that. And I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On to the leaderboards. And then we actually have to talk about kind of a serious topic here at the end, but we can have a little bit more fun through the. Oh elite. gosh, that makes it even worse. That I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what we're going to be talking about. Like, we did not think this through <laughs> well. <laughs> but, um, let's get on to the leaderboards. Uh, I made it pretty short for today. War for hitters uh, Byron Buxton in first with 2.3, Trout in second with two, and then. Vladdy Jr. and Acuna with 1.8 are tied for third. War for pitchers, a Garrett Cole retakes the lead after his dominant start tonight. Jake, uh, he has 2.4, the MLB leader in war because of that. It's Jacob DeGrom in second with 2.1. Corbin Burns rounds it out with 1.7. For relief pitchers, we now have a tie between what has pretty much been the big three for this stat, the uh, – the entire year, and that's tied between Mark Melanson, James Karinchak, and Matt Barnes, all at 0.7. For home runs, J.D. Martinez takes sole possession of the lead with nine after two long balls tonight. Uh, that's J.D.D. Martinez. J.D.D. Martinez. Uh, 
I guess we can get on to Roberto Alomar and then we can just kind of get out of here. Uh, what unfortunate timing. <laughs> so uh, Roberto Alomar, uh, he had been serving as a consultant to the MLB, got placed on the league's ineligible list after uh, an investigation to uh, a potential 2014 sexual misconduct allegation. Uh, while uh, also the Toronto Blue Jays, who have retired his number uh, in the past, they cut ties with the 12-time All-Star. The Major League Commissioner, Rob Manfred, said on Friday that an independent investigation by an external law firm was conducted into a baseball industry's employee's allegation made earlier this year. Uh, Alomar has since released a statement denying all wrongdoing. LJ, this is like a situation like we had with uh, Jared Porter, like with um, Mickey Calloway, uh, Kevin Mather. Just it's it's best that we get these guys out of the game. I mean, and you hate to see a guy like Roberto Almar, who's a Hall of Famer, something like this come up about him. But the game is just better off kind of not slowly, but just wiping these guys away from it. You know, I don't see it that way, though, because I think this is the you're talking about it in a, such a permanent manner. The way I think, I think they handled this the best way they possibly could because of its impermanence. In this news report that you just read out, I believe, yeah, I saw this one or a very similar one on ESPN earlier. Um, they're cutting ties. They have not explicitly stated that they are unretiring his number. Yeah. That I feel like is the final straw of you're washed away from our history as much as we can, which would be the entirely wrong way to approach this right now. Because as again, I want to point out the word allegation, as wrong as it is to not listen to women, I'm not that 100% is the first step for all of these things, we need to listen to women. However, at the same time, as we should listen to all women, we should shouldn't also ruin all men who have these the allegations brought forth ruin their reputations, their history, their careers because of that. And so I think the impermanence of the punishment they've decided here is 100% the right way to go about it because it's the league's ineligible list. As easily as they put him on that, they can take him off that. So as things start to wind down through all of these allegations, all of the whatever, um, not detective work, but court proceedings and decisions get found and findings that are found by both the league and um, government police, all of that, depending on what happens with that, there is a clear path for him to still be a part of this game's rich history, be a part of this league going forward. Like that, I think, I think there's no better way they could have done it. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you Make a good point there. I shouldn't have said uh, that they're going to completely uh, wipe him away from the game. But, you know, we let the the justice system do its job. I mean, it's in there for a place. It, I mean, it's it's in that place for a reason. Excuse me. And um, look, I mean, we could potentially, like you said, see him taken off the ineligible list. We could see him stay on it. So we just need to see what happens with him. But as for now... Uh, yeah, he will be on the MLB ineligible list. Uh, Alomar, 12-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, uh, two World Series, 10-time Gold Glover. Uh, 
really, really impressive player throughout his entire career. But uh, yeah, this is not uh, the best situation for him at the current moment. But um, LJ, I think that uh, this is a good place to wrap it up as we have our interview with the guys from the Batflip podcast. Uh, we will be bringing that to you just in a second. But prior to that, I want to make sure that we plug all of our socials. Uh, Make sure you're following us on Twitter, of course, at a Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast for all the great content from uh, them. We're on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. LJ and I are on Twitter at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora, and I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. Uh, yeah, enjoy this interview with the guys from the Batflip Podcast. Uh, surely was a very fun one to record, and uh, I will not be on the podcast tomorrow. It will be LJ and Taylor Viles who is a writer for the Cape League, uh, first guest host that we'll be having. So that will be a fun one. But I will be back for the Monday episode. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for uh, this portion of the MLB Daily Pod. Uh, enjoy our interview with the Batflip guys. See you manana. All right, so we are back with Matt and Damian. Uh, from the Bad Flip podcast, part of the Belly Up Sports podcast network, just like us. And so, Matt, Damien, either or both of you, would you guys like to talk a little bit about your show to start off? Yeah, you want to do it, Matt? Yeah, I, I can. Uh, basically, uh, we started our show, uh, the Bat Flip podcast, on um, back last August, right before the season started. Of course, we had the shortened season last year, so I guess it was actually July, wasn't it, Damien? Yeah, it's about July. Yeah, it was the end of, near the end of July, and uh, we uh, we brought the show in. It's it's just the two of us right now talking about you know baseball weekly. Um, you know, uh, we do a little bit of everything on on the show. We talk about uh, you know, kind of the current state of the game, what's going on. You know, each each team, or you know, we give predictions, analysis, uh, and we talk a little bit about one of one of my favorite things to do is talk about the general state of the game and. Uh, what's going on with, uh, you know, the future, the, you know, potential rule changes, kind of the overall view of the game. And what we want to do with this, our show is bring baseball and, and try to help at least bring baseball to a younger audience. Um, right now, you know, baseball has an aging audience. Um, you know, if you look at ratings and viewership and everything, and, um, you know, we want a lot of young people to get really excited about baseball and, and want to follow it, watch it watch the major leagues watch all baseball and uh that's kind of our goal with it uh, i think we really enjoyed doing it so far right right damien yeah i mean you, I pre you pretty much summed up exactly what i was gonna say about that so um yeah so i gotta ask you first because this is the first thing that popped in my head as you guys were talking about the current state of the game and particularly rule changes one of the most controversial rule changes of recent memory the runner on second base. What are your guys' thoughts? <laughs> oh, man. I think we went off for like 30 minutes on our last episode <laughs> sure about did. this one rule. Uh, we absolutely hate it. Really? Yeah, we, we do not like it. We both feel that the game should be like a nine innings or more, like no, no gimmicks involved. Play until the best team that day wins. And, and putting a runner on second base just kind of manipulates part of the game to, you know, away from its true fashion. Yeah, and, and I believe that, you know, it allows for a lot of kind of cheap wins um, where, you know, you can have guy, three guys come up in the top of the ninth or the top of the tenth, excuse me, and hit, you know, absolute rockets that go right at people. And then in the bottom of the tenth, you could have 
a guy hit a weak grounder that's an out, and then a guy hit a fly ball out, and you don't even have to get a hit, a walk, nothing. You just you can win the game that way, and I don't really like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Brandon, as far as I'm aware, unless his chances changed in recent time, I've always I've just felt recently. Again, maybe that's changed since I went to that uh, 12, 12 or thirteen inning game with the Red Sox and the Rays. Uh, back at the beginning of April, where the Red Sox won on that J.D. Martinez uh, little blooper over uh, Randy Rosarina's head. I just think it serves the fans better that are there, that are actually going to the stadium and paying the money, because as much as like technically you'd think that people are going to uh, want the more innings because it'll be better, va- better value, I think there is a good value to the fact that you're getting decisive innings each time out because i mean you think about it like overall when I try, how am i trying to phrase this here oh yeah like you're not going to go as long and so more people are apt to stay through the innings is what i've found and overall have the more exciting more engaging time yeah and i'll, I'll tell you a little story here i'd I went to a game back in uh, – it was like the last year at Turner Field for the Braves, and they were playing the Minnesota Twins. And this particular game uh, – you know, I live about two hours from Atlanta. I live in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, this particular game was um, – <laughs> it went like 15 innings. And they stranded runners on third two or three times, and then the Twins ended up having like a five-run inning. And so the game wasn't really that good at the end. You know, it was a five-run inning, and then it was over. There wasn't a lot of excitement at the bottom of the 14th or 15th or whatever it was. And I don't – I remember I, I didn't get home till like, 3 a.m. Uh, so, you know, there are, there are some benefits to it. You know, I just don't necessarily love it from a standpoint of, you know, I feel like, you know, one of the things that baseball has going for it is it's got a 162-game season. And just about every game counts. I mean, you come down to the end of the division, and you got two teams that are competing – uh, you know, a lot of times it's decided by one game or even a tiebreaker game. So, uh, you know, sometimes I, I think feel like some of those wins, um, you know, from the extra innings rule could could really come back to hurt a team when it's kind of fluky. But uh, the good news is that that's one of those rules that it's not it's not applicable every night. And a lot of times the team that's going to win is going to win regardless. So uh, it's um, but it, it's an interesting conversation. And uh, like I said, we, we talked about it for a long time on our show this past week. So, yeah. We'll certainly get off of it, Brandon. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm when when it first came into effect, I was not a fan of it. Uh, I just wasn't. I, I I don't like the sort of manufactured baseball. Uh, I see why. I I totally see LJ's point. I think being in a game in person for it is really cool. Probably, uh, it's just a lot more higher of a leverage situation that you're starting yourself in in extra innings. Uh, but like you guys were saying, you can get some really cheap wins out of that. And that's what the Orioles did to the Yankees just two days ago. I mean, it's tied three, three going into the ninth, the Yankees can't do anything in the top of the 10th. The Orioles go sack, bunt, sack fly in their first two hitters and they're able to win on a walk-off. So yeah, you can get wins like that. And you're absolutely right. When the season is so long, even though it is long, those games do come back to bite you at the end of the season. So uh, personally, not the Biggest fan of it, but I much more uh, dislike the three three batter minimum rule than the extra innings rule. Yeah, the three batter minimum rule to me, I don't think it, it carries as much value as people think it does. Um, it really, I mean, if you're in the major leagues, you should be able to get any hitter out at any time. 
Um, so I don't think it really matters. And I understand they're trying to like keep less pitching changes. And it was kind of annoying when you'd bring in a lefty to face Cody Bellinger. And then all of a sudden you'd bring in a righty to go face Justin Turner, the next hitter or something like that did get a little bit annoying, but I think the three batter minimum got hyped up so much of a deal because of that. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's really affected the games much of any, anyway. Yeah. The one thing I do feel bad for is some of those lefty specialists that their whole career has been made out of that, not being a rule guys like Jerry Blevins. He actually, I think retired this week. I think it was Jerry Blevins. And yeah. So, you know, that's a guy that he came in and that, that was his job was come in get one out and leave and, you know, it gets to lefty because he had that big curveball and everything. And uh, I do feel bad for some of those guys. Cause that was something that was very valuable until last year. And then they just completely took away all of his value. So I get it uh, from that standpoint, but uh, you know, I, I from, Watching games, I really can't tell that much of a difference. You might have once a game that you get a guy come in for one hitter and then leave, but um, you know, I don't think it really makes all that much difference. It, it it can get some managers in trouble though sometimes if they need that guy to get one more out and then he doesn't get the out. Now this you got this lefty specialist having to face, you know, the best righty in the game or something. So Yeah, no, honestly, I think the bigger thing I've noticed with it is there's more instances where a guy comes out and like it's a long season these are very talented guys but sometimes you're just not going to come out with your best stuff sometimes it's just going to go rough and you can a lot of times see that right from the get-go but rather than the reliever being able to be taken out after he gets rocked by the first two batters he's having to stay in and face a few more and it's like I just find that it ends up slowing down the game by adding all of these extra hits more than it does help anything. But like, isn't that kind of what Manfred wants though? He wants to manufacture excitement. Yeah. I mean, so he pretty much, it serves his point. There's like, okay, well, even if it makes the game a little bit longer, we're adding offense to it in that scenario. So Uh, let's get into the uh, national league a little bit here. And frankly, my favorite division right now is, the National League West. Of course, you have the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres who've been playing out of their mind for a while, but then you have the San Francisco Giants, the team in that division that said, you know what, we're going to try to slug with these two Giants, and so far they've done it successfully, reaching the top of the division by win percentage and perhaps by the end of the night by wins. So I really, I personally give a lot of props to San Francisco as they've put themselves in a really good position to make a wild card or divisional run late in the season right now. What have your thoughts and takeaways been from this team? Uh, Buster Posey looks like old Buster Posey. <laughs> uh, he's playing like MVP Buster Posey, but I, I don't know how much their success is going to be able to be sustained. Um, guys like Alex Wood, Johnny Cueto, they've been playing out of their minds. Um, I know Yastrzemski struggled quite a bit, but I just don't think the Dodgers and the Padres, they've kind of been beating up on each other. They've played, I think, seven games against each other already. So they're, they don't meet again until, I think, middle of June or something. So I think by the time that that comes around, San Francisco will kind of have fallen away. And that once the Dodgers and Padres start playing other teams and the Giants have to play the Dodgers and Padres more, they'll start falling back to the pack. Yeah, I, I like the what the Giants have done. Um, they've put together a, a sneaky good rotation because they've got guys like Kevin Gossman is a guy that they recognized his talent, brought him brought him in, kind of gave him a little bit of confidence back, and now he's pitching really, really well for them. Um, you know, Alex Wood, 
a guy who has been really good at times. Damian can tell you best. He's a Dodgers fan, and he got to he got to watch him, you know, have one of the best half seasons of his career. Um, you know, when he was really one of the best pitchers in baseball for half a season with the Dodgers. And then, um, you know, he's battled so many injuries and, you know, if he's healthy, he's a good pitcher and they brought him in and he's been healthy. Um, Cueto is a guy who he's kind of similar to a veteran pitcher. Um, and then, um, I mean, you, you know, you, you can never count out, uh, you know, veteran resurgence like, like Buster Posey's had, but got to remember, they also got Brandon Bell. They got Brandon Crawford couple guys who are you know veteran players who have done really well and Mike Yastrzemski is one of the most underrated young players in the game that people don't talk about too much um you know he's he's really good and he had a 400 own base percentage last year and uh this guy is uh you know he's he's a, he's a star in the making right now so yeah I honestly yeah I've been again I've been blown away by how well this rotation has played and they've just looked so good in those starts that it doesn't seem like something to me where they're all going to fall away too much, but you're right. This is going to be the defining month of their season where they play the Padres twice and the Dodgers twice in May. So if they can come out of that, I think they're going to be really strong. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's uh, move on to the NL East, which uh, LJ and I had quite a few words about on our show yesterday. I mean, Right now in the NL East, you have all five teams uh, struggling to reach uh, just just a 500 win percentage right now. Uh, we certainly expected that this would be a very competitive uh, division, but so far we've seen them drop a lot of games out of uh, the NL East, you know, against teams that uh, they aren't facing 20 times a year. So uh, do either you have any thoughts on uh, how the NL East has, has played out so far? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I know Matt does because he's a brave man. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely have some thoughts on it. Um, I think so far, I mean, you see where, for one thing, the, the Braves have, have had some injuries. and They've struggled at times um, offensively. They've got some, like, Marcelo Zuna, their big offseason re-signing, has really struggled this year. He's striking out a lot. Bansby Swanson, who seemed to break through some last year, had his first 800 OPS season. Uh, he He's really struggled this year, striking out a ton. Uh, and then, you know, if you look at some of the other teams, I mean, they've had similar issues. I mean, the Mets, um, you know, they've still got Syndergaard out. Uh, you know, their pitching rotation behind their first two guys is not great. And their big acquisition, Francisco Lindor, has, is having the worst year of his career. Uh, he's hitting, I believe he's hit like 204 on the season or something. Uh, now, he's still a great defensive player, but you can't you can't win when you're a 360 million dollar guy that you know you traded your top prospect for is you know not not playing well and then uh i mean you look around the league i mean uh, you know the phillies are there's a lot of similarities i mean the phillies uh their bottom of their rotation is not very good and their bullpen's not great and but i mean there's a lot of talent in this division too i think most of these teams will get it turned around pretty quick um you know i look for I, th I don't think the that Lindor and Conforto are going to play as poorly as they have all year. I don't think Ozuna is going to play as bad as he has all year. The Braves are also going to get healthier. I mean, I think the Phillies are probably going to keep up a similar pace to what they're at. But, uh, you know, the other other teams here, the Nationals, I just 
they're aging and outside of Soto, obviously, who's who's great. And of course, Soto's hurt right now. So uh, they're really struggling with with that. Then the Marlins have good young pitching, but their offense is just not quite quite there. So uh, this is going to be an entertaining division all the way down to the wire. We might not have that, you know, 95 to 100 win between three teams or something like we thought we might, but we're probably going to have a real close division regardless. So, yeah, honestly, I think this is not what any of these teams wanted to do, see with having teams like the, uh, well, really the giants, honestly, is the thing that, that worries me there. Again, I will probably stop talking about them after this, but um, having teams like that overperform so early without the majority of these teams getting into the bulk of their in-division play means as these teams are turning around, they're only going to play each other more within their division. And it's going to be even harder to find those wild cards where we were real, realistically talking about a world where we, we all thought, I think the, from the majority of America that the two wild cards from the national league were going to be the San Diego Padres and one of the four teams in the national league, the, uh, Phillies, Braves, Mets, and Nationals, whichever one didn't win the division. So, I mean, I think that's just a certainly a tough spot to be put in. But let's move on over to the American League real quick. I'm curious to think, to see what your thoughts were on the Kansas City Royals coming into the season compared to now. Uh, I can start with this one if, if you want me to. Um, I think um, I liked some of the acquisitions. I really liked the Carlos Santana signing. I thought that was a really good one. Uh, he's a guy who has always has a good on base percentage and plays a good first base. Um, I like the um, I like the Benintendi trade because they really didn't give up that much for him. And uh, it's a guy who you never know. He's still pretty young. He could bounce back. He hit righties good with the Red Sox for the most part. Just had the down year in the in the COVID season. And then um, I like that some of their young pitchers. I, I really like uh, Brady Singer. I, I'm an SEC guy. I went to Auburn, and uh, so I got to see Brady Singer pitch a lot in, in college. I really liked him going to the draft. I like him now. He, he seems to have kind of turned a corner a little bit. Um, I don't think they're going to keep up this pace, uh, but, I mean, it's good to see. Jorge Soler is a great outfielder, too, or DH to, at the plate. So uh, I, I like their team a lot, but, you know, they're be definitely better than I expected. I, I didn't expect them to be – first place or anything but i expected i did i knew they i expected them not to be at the bottom of this division so yeah i, I really hope in our prediction i know i think in both of our predictions we have them fourth and like oh. he said i like the benetton trade quite a bit um you know having whit merrifield and salvador perez back and and they're both playing really well as well so and uh who didn't they pick who they pick in their bullpen it was somebody that they picked they up there. greg holland back. Oh, yeah holland back yeah so he's a nice pickup for them as well to get back there to a familiar place oh they picked up wade davis back that's the other one mm -hmm. so yeah, i just think it's great to see a team like kansas city who legitimately went out and significantly improved their roster as a small market team you're not expecting them to get in on a whole ton of big names but they went out and they spent the money that they could and really came out possibly the best out of the central. Maybe you're a fan of real fan of what the White Sox brought in this year, but in terms of free agent signing, I think they might've taken the cake there. So with a league that was spending at ridiculous low, low, low rates this year, it is absolutely fantastic for me to see at least some form of success for the teams that actually went out and tried to use free agency to its fullest. 
yeah, free agency can be fickle at times, um, for sure. And especially those teams that try and splash all at once. And I think we've seen that with the Reds at a little, at some point, the White Sox a little bit, but, um, you know, Kansas City, they, they didn't do it all through free agency. They, they got a couple of veterans. They made that trade for Ben Intendi and, and kind of just, we, we said coming into the season, what we wanted to see from Kansas City was find some talent that's going to be there for the long haul. Find some talent that's going to be on your team the next time you're competitive, but also bring in those veterans that allow them to develop those younger guys like a Kyle Isbell who's up there or Jackson Kowar um, and kind of give them, you know, the tools that they need to, to progress on in their career. You got to remember with uh, Kansas City that Bobby Witt Jr. is not far away. He's right yeah. there and he'll probably be there at some point this season. So, yeah. Uh, and I think the, the, the big thing with Kansas City, we see their, their best starting pitcher this year and arguably one of the best starting pitchers in the league uh, in, in Danny Duffy. That's a guy who, who has been in the Kansas City organization his entire career. Third round draft pick in 2007. And He's been on the the, the uh, roster since 2011. So when you talk about those guys who have been contributing, I mean, there's a guy who is just a great, a veteran player, and they're getting great contributions out of him this year. Uh, yeah, I, me and LJ were both really high on the Kansas City Royals uh, heading into the year. We both said that if we were to take like an over, uh, like an over under on the amount of wins they would have, I want to say there's was set at about 74 or 75. LJ and I both said we would take the over on that uh but yeah to LJ's point I think it was a, a really good idea for them to go out and spend a little in free agency now uh I'm not sure if you guys are too familiar with next year's free agent class but there's quite a few shortstops who are going to be available and then also we have the impending uh CBA which the MLB and the Players Association have to renegotiate prior to the 2022 season uh do either of you guys have thoughts on both the cba and or the uh free agent class that is impending for next year i think the cba is going to be a really long drawn dragged out discussion um manfred and tony clark don't really seem to have the best relationship it doesn't seem like and just from even the negotiations that we saw this year about the, the general season, it didn't give you much hope for what is going to become, you know, which could be a potential lockout situation coming up this next off season. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Damien. Uh, I am a little worried about the CBA and um, a lot of these potential rule changes we've talked about are probably going to be determined in that CBA uh, stuff like the, like the, seven any double headers the runner on second rule um all this stuff that we're, we've talked about but uh you know i think the big thing that they're going to use the mlb is going to use some of these things that the players really want like universal dh as a bargaining chip and i don't think that's going to go well for either side I, I think that um you know the the players are going to be really you know kind of digging their heels in this time and um a few of the things that people aren't talking too much about that are really needing to be addressed is international free agents mar free agency market as there's a lot of uh, sketchy stuff going on there and very inconsistent uh, enforcement of it and um, also the uh, obviously the the Astro situation has hurt you know hurt the league with you know the, the, with their reputation but with the players because you know the the cheating enforcement's been really poor from from that aspect but uh, 
I, I, I mean, I, I'm hopeful that it gets done, I, and I think it will. I mean, it's rare to see lockouts. I know we've seen them in the past, but, you know, typically it, it does get done. But uh, on the free agent class, I, I like a lot of the shortstops. Um, you know, I just talked about the Astros, but, I mean, Carlos Correa is a guy who's looked pretty good this year and last year. And then uh, I think, um, you know, Corey Seager is a guy who's starting to play his best baseball right now that he, you know, had some injury issues that kept held him back for a few years, but he's really starting to play his best baseball. And uh, I could see him uh, going forward as a, a, you know, a big ticket free agent. And possibly, I, I think Corey Seager might end up at third base where he, wherever he goes, unless he st- goes back to the Dodgers because of, you know, I don't think his defense is quite as good as um, some guys, or at least his range isn't quite as good at short. He could be an elite defensive third baseman, but um, you know, unfortunately Lindor's off the market now, uh, but uh, you know, there's a lot of guys, Javi Baez, you know, I think it waits, waits to be seen about him because, you know, he's, he's struggled this year and uh, his peripherals are not <laughs> peripherals that you would think he strikes out so much and he walks very little. And that's something that worries you for a player that's going to go up into his 30s soon. So I, uh, I definitely am a little bit worried about him, but uh, it's definitely gonna be interesting. There's a lot, a lot out there for the take in this offseason for sure. Yeah, I'm just I'm a little nervous back on that CBA thing. I'm nervous that it's not going to get done just because I feel like there's such a large list of things that people want done because there's so many things that really are long-term hurting the game, particularly with the free agency way that the internal, the major league free agency is working. What are your guys' overall opinions on that, the six years of team control the way the the league is really just continuing to spend less and less each year. What are your overall thoughts on that? And how do you think if you don't like it, it could be better uh, handled? The six year like control thing. I, I think the only thing that could be as bad about that. I mean, baseball, it's such a long game. Anyways, you have such long seasons, but the thing is, is you do get arbitration after three years. So you can, you can make your money back sort of that way, but I'd be a fan of if you can move that arbitration up or if the players could get raises, you know, in some other way sooner, because I think what they make, like think of the national or the, uh, the low rate is like $750,000 or something. So the minimum you can get. Um, and so you don't really start making your money until your second or third year of arbitration. So you're talking about four years into national, you know, your, your biggest sport and everything. And then, that brings in revenue. I think that you're not getting your most money until your fourth or fifth season in the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Damien. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that needs to be looked at is if you do decrease that amount of time, I think it's going to lead to more of that roster manipulation, that, that, uh, team control manipulation. Like we saw with Chris Bryant back a while ago, uh, we saw a little bit with Vlad jr. Uh, you know, hold players in the minors to keep them from getting that extra year uh, of free agency. And uh, I think uh, one thing that, that's interesting, an interesting idea that I've heard is having a, a go into an actual salary cap, but having a salary minimum that there's talk about that maybe happening and it might encourage teams to sign some of their younger players to long-term extensions. Um, so that, that's one thing that can maybe be looked at. But I think the biggest thing is definitely the, the fact that, you know, I think, I think that the way things have been done, uh, that rock, that sir, that service time manipulation really hurts a lot of young players, especially ones that are going to be big tickets and free agency eventually. And that that's something that that could be looked at. But uh, 
you know, especially and, and also guys who weren't high draft picks because, you know, a lot of the really top prospects were high draft picks. They get that seven, eight million dollar signing bonus. But some of these guys coming up to the big leagues are you know, getting, you know, a fifty thousand dollar signing bonus and then they get nothing for, you know, their entire time in the minors. So they come up and they're pretty broke when they make it to the big leagues. And, you know, if they're up there for like three days and then they get sent back, then you're losing you're losing them. But. Um, you know, I think um, I think there's definitely some things to be looked at there, no doubt. Yeah, honestly, anything would get more spending going because I feel like I you see it with so many of these guys. Not of course the top tier guys. Realistically, the top five guys in every free agent class are going to end up being fine. They're going to be ended up, ended up being treated well. But unless you sign one of those um, foregoing arbitration deals where you're going to get a little more money on the back end. So many times we're seeing with the middle of these classes where they get either their their service time manipulated, some other thing here where they're not making a ton, like they're not making $20 million in arbitration. And then all of a sudden they get to the end of their six years, which for most guys is going to be just at the end of their prime. And they're not able to cash in on nearly as much money as they used to because teams aren't spending. You're getting all of these 28, 29, 30-year-olds who realistically of what we've seen as of late, Athletic Prime might have two to three years left that are going out and trying to get these paydays, trying to get these five to eight-year deals. I mean, of course, that's a lot. There's a very few people of those, but like I feel like those guys can sometimes really get the shaft now because no one wants to give those, no one wants to spend, and they've been drawn out so long to the point where if they were on market two years earlier, there might be more discussion towards paying those guys. Yeah, it, I think it hurts guys like like you're talking about with that, uh, you know, guys that go up that are late bloomers that end up being 34, 33, 34 before they hit free agency for the first time. Guys like Josh Donaldson. Hmm. He's been, I mean, now he did get a pretty big contract from the twins, but it's nothing like what he could have gotten at age 29 or 30 when he was in his prime. You talk about Justin Turner. He's a guy that, you know, he really is just now hit free agency at 34 and, you know, teams were not willing to give him more than two or three years and the Dodgers paid up, but you know, it's not what he could have made at th- age 30. Uh, and I, you're going to see guys in the future, like guys like Mike Yastrzemski, maybe we, we talked about earlier, a little bit of a late bloomer uh, that isn't going to get that huge free agency deal, probably because he'll be 33 or so when he hits free agency. So I, I think that's a good point. And there might be a better way to start a service time clock when they, you know, have a separate one, maybe when they get drafted or get signed mm-hmm. where, you know, maybe say, oh, well, you know, he signed at age 18. So when he hits age, tw- you know, eight years from now, he'll hit free agency. And that might help with the players and help that service time manipulation. But it's it's a good it's an interesting conversation and it's something that definitely is going to be addressed, I think, in, in talks. I, I think you know that service time manipulation and that free age when you hit free agency, something that's the probably the number one thing that's you know going to be on topic on topic here. You know more so than any of the stuff that really affects the direct play of the game. So, well. Uh... We'll do one more question and then we'll get you guys out of here. So, uh, of course, it's still very early in the season. This is the last day of April. So we're just wrapping up the first full calendar month of the season. Uh, Is there any particular teams or players that uh, you guys think have been kind of under the radar this year and haven't really been uh, talked about by the the national media uh, as 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 much as they should? Uh, Yeah. uh, Matt, you can go first. 
Um, you know, teams wise, um, I think that I don't think the Angels have got quite enough uh, publicity. They've had some some injuries early, but they've also played really well. Um, they've had, and, and anytime you have a guy like Mike Trout on your team, you know you love to you love to watch him. But um, you know they've lost uh, they lost Rendon for a while. Mike Trout's actually missed a couple games, but there has been a lot of attention around Otani for the for the work that he's done. But uh, the Angels are sitting there; they're over five hundred. And they're sitting there in, in a division that looks pretty winnable to me because Houston hasn't looked great. Uh, right now, the Mariners are up near the top. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to keep it, keep up the pace that they're at, even though they've been another team that like you're talking about. But, uh, you know, I really like the Angels. and I don't think Jared Walsh has got quite enough credit from the Angels for what he's done. He's, he's looked really good at the plate this year. So. Yeah, I would say if I had to pick one team, it would also be the Angels. Um, me and Matt were both really, really high on them coming into the year. We both picked them to win the National League West, actually. Um, so we were that that high on them. Uh, if I had to say a couple of players that I don't think we were getting quite the recognition, uh, Jesse Winker is one. I just watched him play against the Dodgers in a series, and he looks like a completely different hitter, um, as long as the left-hander doesn't throw him a breaking ball because he can't hit anything off that. But if a right-hander throws him anything, he can hit it, and a left-handed fastball, he can hit it. Um, and another player is Ryan McMahon. He's had a really, really good start to the season as a guy who's really flamed out at times in the major leagues. You know, Rockies were talking about he was supposed to be one of their future pieces, and then he couldn't even hit barely 200 in Colorado. Um, and this year so far, he's hitting 281 with eight homers and, and 16 RBIs already. So another guy that, uh, you know, I think is not getting kind of the recognition he deserves this year. Well, thank you, Matt and Damien, for coming on with us tonight. It's been really great getting to talk to you guys. Um, we certainly hope to talk to you guys again in the future, maybe sometime later in the season. But we'll leave you guys to plug anything you guys would like real quick. Uh, just, you know, really the only thing is, is thank you guys for having us on here, first of all. But uh, if you guys do want to hear more of a, you know, a weekly kind of podcast, kind of everything that goes around, you can check out the Batflip podcast. We're on Spotify and Apple. Um, just search Batflip Podcast and we're right there. And we do it uh, do it once a week, usually record on Tuesdays. So it's usually up late Tuesday night, early uh, Wednesday mornings. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you can also follow us. we got a Twitter account at, at Batflip Podcast on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I'm at Matt Arcara. And then Damien's at the Real D-Boy 12. And they're both on uh, – they're both in the bio on, the, on our podcast Twitter. So if you want to follow us, that'd be great. And uh, thank you so much, guys, for having us on the show. It's a lot of fun. So – yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you once again, Matt and Damien. Big thank you from the Batflip podcast. And we're really glad to get some Belly Up Sports Podcast Network action going here. So you guys have a great time. Thanks, Thanks guys. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.